The Old Testament reading for the second Sunday in Advent is from Isaiah chapter 11. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As I was preparing this week, I came across a funny story. It turns out, if you look at paintings of wildlife, uh, specifically the story that I came across was um, British painters, if you look at their depictions of lions in particular, from, oh, I don't know, maybe the 1800s, early 1800s, 1700s even, basically the time before photographs, when all that existed for a person to get a sense of what a lion looked like was, you know, written accounts of people who had been there to see them in person before zoos were a thing, mind you. These painters, super skilled, amazingly talented, they painted these goofy looking things that we would not recognize as lions. And you can Google this when you get home. You'll see like, what on earth? I think, you know, a good search string might be a medieval depictions of lions, that kind of thing. And you'll see I mean, they look like big, weird house cats crossed with some kind of lizard. I don't know what was going on, but um, they did their best. They tried their best. And that's not really so different from what's going on in Isaiah's prophecies, especially this morning in Isaiah 11, 1 through 10. The prophet is speaking on behalf of God, but he's speaking about something that he's never seen before, but he's describing it to us, and we have never seen anything like this before. So all we can do is imagine and Hope for the best. Remember, a major theme of Advent is the relationship of Jesus' first coming to his second coming. Last week in Isaiah 2, we saw that 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 prophecy has already been partially fulfilled in Jesus, but we still are looking forward to its complete fulfillment in him. So we have reason to cry out along with God's people from every time and place, O come, O come, Emmanuel. That's why we sing that every Sunday in this Advent season. This morning from Isaiah 11, the prophet proclaims that Jesse's branch, 
who is also the root of Jesse, that is the promised Messiah, would come in the power of God's spirit and this branch is gonna do two things. He's gonna bring righteousness and justice among people and he's gonna restore creation to what it was like in the Garden of Eden. And we're gonna see that Jesus has already fulfilled this in part, same as last week, and because he has, we are certain that he is going to come again to fulfill it completely, and that gives us power. It gives us hope while we wait to love and serve our neighbors. If you have your service folder handy, or a Bible, or a Bible app on your phone, go to Isaiah 11. Um, It'll help, I think, follow along if you have this in front of you. The first main theme in Isaiah's prophecy is that this shoot from the stump of Jesse, that is, a descendant of King David, would embody righteousness and justice, and there are a few things to point out here. The first is that at the beginning of it all is the spirit of the Lord's anointing. Verse 2 says, And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. And this man will also treat the poor and needy with fairness while giving the wicked what they deserve. As it says in verse 4, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Furthermore, this Messiah to come wears righteousness and faithfulness like a belt, it says. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist. And finally, people from all nations will come to this righteous branch of Jesse's tree. At the end here in verse 10, in that day the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. So, righteousness, justice, defending the cause of the poor and the needy and the oppressed, dealing with the wicked, giving them what they deserve. Now the second thing is this picture of the peaceable kingdom, it's sometimes called, where lions eat straw like the ox, and little babies can wrestle around with snakes without fear of them you know, being bitten. Predator-prey relationships will be undone in this return to Eden. Verses six through eight says, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them all. Now I'm gonna say this again later, but I'll say it now too. We gotta be careful to not view this as like too cutesy. This is not one of those things that was written primarily so that we would have something nice to paint on a Sunday school classroom wall, right? A little parade of animals and a little kid leading them and they're all, you know, they've got nice faces and The lions aren't eating the little fattened calves and that kind of thing, right? The picture here is that violence is gone. Hatred is gone. Shedding blood of other created beings out of greed or out of a sense of violence or just because they want to or they need to eat. That's all going to be gone because of the Messiah. And furthermore, because of the righteous branch, even the most vulnerable humans will be safe from wild creatures, what we think of as wild creatures. It says in verse 8, the nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. Have you ever been 
somewhere where, you know, you see toddlers do this, little kids. They just reach out and they don't know that this thing is dangerous. Sometimes it might be a stove or it might be a cat or it might be a dog or it might be, right? They don't know how to be safe around these things. And so, you know, I've seen my own kids. They walk up to cats and just, they want to hug them and press their face into cats that my in-laws have. But the problem there is, um, you know, sometimes animals just want their space and the claws might come out. Little kids need to be, need other people sometimes to intervene and keep them safe. But here in the peaceable kingdom, when the Messiah returns and brings us all back to what Eden was, the nursing child is going to play over the hole of the cobra and nobody's going to be anxious about it. Nobody's going to worry when kids are around animals that now we think of as very violent and threatening. To sum it up, because of the righteous branch, violence and harm are erased from existence. All creation will know God, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, as it says in verse 9. Now, Jesus fulfills this all. This is not, we've not gathered here this morning to hear some nice poetry from Isaiah, you know, because Isaiah is just one of the major prophets, right? One of the most loved books in the Old Testament, although it can be kind of obscure. Part of the charm, maybe, growing up in the church, if you remember the, you know, using the King James translation and hearing these prophecies from Isaiah or the, the passages from the Gospel of Luke in that, well, you know, King Jamesian language. Just the way it sounds is enough to kind of mm, make you feel warm and fuzzy inside. But there's more than that here for us. Jesus, who is here today by his word and by his spirit and in his own body and blood on this altar, is here for you. And this passage from Isaiah 11, every word of it is about him. And it's already come true in large part. And here's how. Regarding the first theme that the Messiah would act justly and establish righteousness, Remember that this Messiah, the righteous branch, was anointed by the Spirit of the Lord? Well, shortly after the gospel reading for today, when John the Baptist, you know, you brood of vipers, happy Advent, you know. <laughs> Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? After he excoriates the Pharisees and the Sadducees for being hypocrites, he does baptize Jesus. And when that happens in Matthew 3, verse 16, it says this, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. The Spirit of the Lord coming to rest on Jesus, just as it was prophesied in Isaiah 11. Jesus came especially for the sake of the poor and the needy, just like the righteous branch was prophesied to do. In Matthew's Gospel in chapter 11, you might remember this episode when John, is, John the Baptist is thrown into prison and he's feeling kind of discouraged. And so he sends some of his messengers to Jesus to ask, are you really the one who was to come? Or basically, did I get in jail? Did I get myself in jail for nothing? What's going on here, Jesus? Why? I, I thought it was going to be different than this. And Jesus sends messengers back to say this. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. 
That is not the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer because of Jesus. No, no. Jesus had hard words for the rich and the powerful and the hypocritical. He came to seek and save the lost. He came not for those who are well, but for those who are sick. One day, Jesus will give the wicked what they deserve. In Revelation 19, this depiction of the second coming, it says this, from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is one of these things that isn't really fulfilled by Jesus yet. This is one of the reasons, maybe the major reason, why it's really hard to live as a Christian in this world. The work of the cross is done. It is finished, Jesus said. But right before he gave up his spirit. But for 2,000 years, the wicked still prosper. Those who hate Jesus and those who hate those who follow Jesus are still powerful and rich and living high on the hog. Someday, Jesus is going to come to judge the living and the dead, but he hasn't yet. The righteous branch was clothed with righteousness and faithfulness. And again, from Revelation 19, describing Jesus, it says this, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. That's Jesus' name. He's called Faithful. He's called True. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. And about people being drawn from all nations to the righteous branch, well, what does Jesus say at the end of Matthew's gospel? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of, well, just the neighborhood. Stay around here. We don't want too many other people to be part of this club. No. He says, go and make disciples of what? All nations. This is for the whole world. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And now, so that's the first main part of Isaiah's prophecy from Isaiah 11. That is fulfilled, mostly, but not completely yet, in Jesus. Now what about this second part, the restored creation, this return to Eden? Well, Jesus upholds this present created order, and he will destroy it and bring a new one into existence. It says in 2 Peter 3, verses 5 through 7, they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. What is Jesus called? The word of God, the word incarnate. Everything was formed by the word of God going on here. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, that is Jesus, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Now, when the old heaven and earth pass away, a new universe is going to be created. It's not just like this whole created order will be destroyed and we're going to float in the ether with little goofy cherub angel wings like a bunch of chubby little babies playing harps singing to Jesus forever. No, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, a new universe created for us by Jesus in kind of an inversion of what happened at the start of the Bible in Genesis, where first there was nothing, 
and God brought order and God created a place. And then he created a people to live there with him in the Garden of Eden. And we know how, you know, that didn't end up working out. Well, at the end of this age, God already has his people. He's created the people of God, the new, the true and better nation of Israel. And he's going to have to make a place for us, which is what we see in Revelation 21. When John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Now, in the new creation, this thing about predator-prey relationships that Isaiah talks about, right? The the kind of cute little animal thing that's, you know, we don't want to only think of it as cute. But, right, babies playing with lions? I mean, come on. But it's so hard to imagine what that's like when everything that even resembles hardship is done away with. Because the harsh reality is our lives often are full of hardship. Our lives are often very painful and difficult, and we all are going to face loss, and some of us already have, and some of us have tremendously so. And for some of us, that might still be ahead. The promise of Isaiah 11, as Jesus will fulfill it, is best seen also from Revelation 21. Starting at verse 3, John says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. The former things have passed away. Like British artists painting an animal they've only ever heard of, but not seen, our hearts are stirred at the thought of a new creation, where violence is a distant memory, where all harm, harm from nature, harm from one another, harm that comes from within our own bodies, becomes a more distant memory for an eternity of eternities until 100,000 years in and millions of millions of years more to go. We've forgotten all about pain and sorrow and loss. Can you imagine that? Because I can't. But that's the promise. That's the hope. It'll be only joy, peace, and love forever. And we can only dream of that now. But we have confidence that we're not just fooling ourselves. Why? Because this has already been fulfilled in Jesus. The one who is going to come to finish the job, he's already proven himself to be trustworthy. He's already come to open heaven to us. The peaceable kingdom described here in Isaiah 11 is hardly good news if we don't know for sure that we're going to get there, right? A party that your friends are throwing with all the food that you like and the games that you like and maybe the beer that you like that you're not invited to? Is that good news? All that stuff just makes it actually bad news. So I say it again. You have been invited to that party. Isaiah 11 has already been fulfilled by Jesus for you in this way. By his cross, he's established righteousness, defended the cause of the poor, and crushed the oppressor. I'm going to walk through those three here to close. First of all, 
He's established righteousness by presenting himself as the atoning sacrifice for your sins, for my sins. If God had just overlooked all of our sins, he wouldn't be righteous in justifying us. Would it be righteous for a judge to say to someone in a courtroom, yeah, you know, the jury found you guilty, but um, for your sentencing, you know, we're just going to like overlook that. That's fine, you know. Just go, you're free, you're free man. Is that justice or righteousness? Or is that just some kind of fiction? There had to be a sacrifice for us in order for God to be just. If Jesus didn't offer himself on the cross, he would have no righteousness to give to us. He had to do that for this great exchange where he takes our sin and he gives us his righteousness. So God's justice might be done. He's established righteousness for you already. The second thing, he's defended the cause of the needy by saving us. You and I are needy. There's nothing in us that merits God's love for us. But God, marvelous as he is, loves us into being lovely. We had no one to advocate for us, but Jesus stepped into the gap anyway because he loves us, even when we hated him. And the third thing, he's crushed the head of the oppressor in that he fulfilled the most ancient prophecy of all. Thousands of years before Isaiah, this prophecy was made, and it's recorded in Genesis chapter three. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, that is deceived Adam and Eve into eating the fruit that was forbidden, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field, on your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head. Some translations, he shall crush your head, and you shall strike his heel. Jesus, the serpent crusher, has already defeated the greatest oppressor the ancient serpent, the enemy of our souls, who would drag us to hell with him on the last day. Therefore, on this second Sunday of Advent, we feel the thrill of our living hope that Jesus will return and make the rest of Isaiah 11 a reality before our very eyes. He is going to come and take us home, home to a place that we've never been. How is that our home? It's the place we were created for to our true fatherland. And there we shall walk in endless light. And then we will say something like the unicorn does at the very, very end of the Chronicles of Narnia, at the very end of the last battle. If you haven't read it, I mean, they've been out for like 60 or 70 years, okay? This isn't like a spoiler alert. That's on you at this point. But maybe this will make you want to go read it because it's beautiful. They get to the new creation to Aslan's country. And this unicorn says, I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I have been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. Come further up. Come further in. For an eternity of eternities. Amen. Come, thou branch of Jesse's tree, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.